Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. But anyway, the reason why I created it was because I needed to see the words chosen and anointed in front of my face every single day. Like I needed to see it. And so I started writing that phrase down. I don't even know where the phrase came from, but I just started writing it down on post-its, on my whiteboard, in my phone. Uh, I made a background and put it my, as my phone. I just started like signing my emails, like PS, you're chosen and anointed. When I was coaching people, I found myself giving that advice. Like, you do know you're chosen and anointed, right? <laughs> like you do know, you do know this, right? And it was just this like consistent message. And so I just had a necklace made for myself with initials CA and I wore it and I held it. I'm like, you're chosen and anointed. You can do this. You can do hard things. Like God is on your side. Like we are chosen to do this because I promise you at no level will you ever feel like, oh yeah. I am chosen and anointed 100%. Ain't nothing going to stop me, hold me back forever. You might think that in, in a phase, you might have a week of this courage or a month of this belief. What I found is that after you get out of the valley, the valley is the turning point where you were going down. You said enough and you started going up. Um, a few of us are actually going to record a video and put it into the podcast series. Uh, um, because when we were going down and then we made the decision, no more, I am not going to do this anymore. I need to turn my life around. I need to completely, I'm going one way. I need to turn around and go the other way. Once we've experienced that, it's just the most amazing feeling ever. And what I found is that when you get out of that valley, your time frame of happiness and joy and like belief in yourself it does get longer and longer and longer. So at first you might start believing in yourself and you really believe in yourself so strong for like one day. And then after one day, you're like back, you wake up the next day and you're back to like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. And what am I going to do? And just yesterday you were feeling so great. And now you're like all in your head again. So it will get longer periods where you're there for an hour and then you're there for 12 hours, a full day. Then you're there for three days then you're in this happy state. You can live there for like a month. Um, for me, I really feel like I haven't been able to get past three weeks. I will live three weeks in like pure joy, happiness, abundance, no worries, stress, fear, anxiety, nothing. And then it comes onto me. And it's, that's how I realized by tracking my cycle, it's a hormonal pattern. And so instead of beating myself up and freaking out, like, oh my gosh, I'm going back into the valley. I now know like, okay, usually this week, my perspective is a little off because my emotions are a little off. And every single thing we do is tied back to our emotions. And I've known this, I have 
I've learned this because I've been placed in a lot of situations where I had to control my emotions when I was in the corporate world. I was given a job and I was the director of recruiting and I had to recruit for my office. And I also had to train up other recruiters in other offices and teach them how to recruit for their office. And then I had to motivate them and inspire them. And I was the manager of like all these recruiters that were remote. Well, let me just tell you, these were days before Zoom. <laughs> like, I, we didn't even have Zoom. Um, people were working not with each other. And it wasn't like nowadays where April just got this really sweet job um, working remotely for this really awesome company in the Hamptons. And she told me the other day, she's like, oh yeah, I can put someone on hold. And then, you know, I can tell them like, hey, line one, and then they pick it up at their house and it's the same line. Like what? You can do that now? <laughs> like the world has just advanced so much. And we didn't have that. We had conference calls that we would do. We would all call the conference line number and get in this conference room. And I would try to motivate them and inspire them. And this is really where I realized that I liked to do this because a lot of people don't like to do this. Like my mom is completely opposite of me. And she's like, all of your like hopes and dreams and everything you want to do literally stress me out and give me so much anxiety. Like I cannot believe that someone would want to do that. Like, she's like, I can't believe you would want to like run a call every other day forever, wake up in the morning and you have to run this call. I'm like, that's like literally what fuels my life. Like, and it just shows you that people are different, but it also shows where God had his hand on me and has been guiding me through my life. And every single next step that he gave me down my path of where I was supposed to go, my destiny, every single time it required me to trust. Like I had to trust. And when I quit one job to move on to the next one, and I've done that a lot, I've only been fired from one place. And it was because I was trying to get fired because John wouldn't let me quit. And it was the worst job I ever had. I was working for the Muscular Dystrophy Association and I would call business owners and I had to try to get through the gatekeeper to the business owner and then like tell him he's locked up and he needs to pay money to get out of MDA jail and he needed to show up. It was like impossible to get these CEOs to even listen to me or get them on the phone. And it was horrible. And it was in a cubicle. Nothing was even on a computer. I had a pack of papers and a headset and I just had to call. And it was just the most lifeless thing. I felt awful and I felt like a robot. And my dad always programmed me to tell me to do something that's fun that you love to do. And I just knew it wasn't that. It paid me the best that I had been paid up until that point. And I got benefits. And, you know, the employees were pretty good. I could have stayed there. There was some upward mobility and I could have done it. I could have been like, well, it's good enough. I just got to stay here. But I knew I'm like, oh, like I cannot, like this cannot be my life. I cannot do this for my life. And so I trusted God and I left, or I, <laughs> that one, I didn't trust God. I was like, he'll fire me. It's okay. Someone finally will fire fire me. Um, but then when I left that job, I knew that something better was coming. And I was currently going to school to be a nurse. And I just knew I didn't want to do that either. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do two of the things that I was doing. So 
God ended that at the perfect timing because I responded to an ad on Craigslist before Craigslist was filled with killers and <laughs> Craigslist was a safe place back then. And I responded to this ad and I landed this job and they taught me how to recruit and they taught me how to talk to people. And they showed me these things that were called vision days where every single Friday they would, they would do this vision meeting where they would just like light your soul on fire with what you were doing. And the company had this amazing culture and they focus so much on people's happiness because happy people do a good job and have a good day. In order to have a good day, you have to be happy. And I realized that firsthand when I would talk to the recruiters in a huddle every morning, we would get on this call and we would kind of huddle up and we would just talk about the intention for the day. And I knew based on where people's mindsets were in the morning on that call, how they were going to produce that day. I also knew at the end of the day, if I couldn't really read them in the morning, because some people, you know, didn't really say a whole lot in the morning and I didn't know. But at the end of the day, when we would do our afternoon huddle, based on how their day was going, I know that their mindset was messed up that morning. Because and for myself, when I would have to recruit, we would have to call and book interviews and be on the phone like all day. And people were either super annoying or they weren't. Like I would be like, oh my gosh, today was great. I, got, I booked like 15 interviews. Everyone was super nice. The days where I was having a bad day and I was irritated and I was annoyed, everyone was so annoying. I'm like, yeah, this is DBC. You submitted your application. Do you not write down who you submit applications for? Like I would have like such an attitude and be so, I mean, you know what? Never mind. Like, goodbye. You're not coming in for an interview. I would just be like short fused and irritated. And anyone that came in my office, I was just irritated. And, you know, I learned this whole thing about if you're in a good mood, you'll have a good day through this company because they were door-to-door salesmen. and rain or shine. We live in Michigan and we just got an inch of snow the other day and it's end of April. Okay. Rain or shine. They were knocking doors who literally had no soliciting signs on them. People that would throw things at them, slam the door in their face. Like they were knocking on your door, trying to sell you something. What a hard job that is. And they would do it because they had the promise of what was coming and they were sold on the vision of what they were staying for. And this whole company did everything to try to get people in good moods. They would buy the office lunch. They would do throw down Thursdays where they would uh, throw each other's teams down. They put each other in teams and did little daily competitions. They had team nights on Tuesday and everyone would just go get plastered and everyone was sleeping together and you didn't leave because it's like you worked there all day long with these people. They did everything to make you happy. They bought you fancy suits. They literally were like pulling you into this environment because what you were doing was hard. And then I think it's kind of ironic that I literally left that place to join network marketing. <laughs> like, this is literally the same thing. <laughs> like, Red flag. How did I not like, you know, and so I'm like, Anyway, I was deceived into thinking that this next thing was going to be different. I was actually feeling like I need more approval of people. I need more things. I need to drive a Mercedes like this guy does. I need to be on stage. I remember the first time I was ever 
I, the first time I ever wanted to be on stage, because that's, that's just my goal all the time is I just want to be on stage. I love being on stage. I love a microphone in my hand, just motivating and inspiring a group of people. It is my favorite thing to do. I would do it for free. I would do it all the time. Like I am obsessed with this, but I wasn't always obsessed with it. It wasn't until I was, I went to Nashville for a convention in June of 2010. And I was sitting in the stadium there and I was at the very top and I saw all of these super rich people at the top of this company being announced and like running down and high-fiving everyone and like getting up on stage and sharing their tips and sharing their advice. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, I want to do this. And it's because of what I saw is what made me want to do that. I wanted nice things. I wanted a mansion like they did. I wanted a Louis Vuitton purse like they had. I wanted Louboutin heels like they had. I, I mean, shoot, I just wanted like Lululemon leggings because I was buying $14.99 Amazon leggings, which I found out I like better than Lululemon anyway. But <laughs> I know it's, it's what you see. And so I have always thought this way and I've done a few calls on, your emotions equal your perspective lens. And I think of it as a different pair of glasses, each emotion you're experiencing. If you're experiencing anger, you're going to see out of this red lens and everything is going to irritate you. If you're angry and irritated, you're going to have road rage. You're going to be irritated with the people at the grocery store who just stop their carts in the middle of the aisle. Like, why can you move your cart? Why are you just parking it? Or you're irritated with people pulling into a church parking lot because they're not turning the right way. They're, this is my husband all the time. Like just every single thing, he's like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. Do you know how to drive? Like, he's just, he's always, I'm like, what are you, why are you doing that? Like, does that feel good? Do you feel good? And I posted a video this morning, a reel about driving and about your energy when you drive and how it is a choice that you are 100% in control of, but you have to first be aware of the energy that you're feeling in your body in order to change it. Because if you're not aware that it's coming on, you're never even going to realize that that is the issue. And so my journey over the last year and a half required me to work on my energy and clean up things that were draining my energy, like learn to set better boundaries, not say yes all the time. Don't be a people pleaser, but also um, energy leaks like a crazy long to-do list that I've been avoiding. Um, a house that's a disaster, a car that's a disaster, unresolved conflict in my life that I've been avoiding people that I need to talk to about things or plan things with that I just haven't been doing. Like all of these things kind of weigh you down. You're like, oh, I forgot I need to call the energy company. I need to pay my cell phone bill. I need to get groceries. We have that party at school. We need to get that. Like you're in your head all the time. And those things are actually causing your vibration in your body to change. It's, it's scientific. This isn't like woo-woo magic stuff. This is scientifically proven that when you have a lot in your brain, your vibration changes. Your cells under a microscope go from just kind of like moving to literally like vibrating by your hormones and things that are released by what you see. 
if you see things, if you all of a sudden see a car accident happen, or you see a house on fire, your hormones and everything are going to change inside of you to tell you this, this is an emergency. You, that's why people run up and they're able to like lift up cars and all kinds of stuff because adrenaline starts running and, or you experience trauma and you don't even remember it. You block it out because your body just takes over because it's a defense mechanism. It was literally designed by God, the creator of everything. We are the best thing that he has ever created. He is the only thing that he hand made everything else. He spoke into existence with us. He made us by hand. Think of things that are handmade, like at my women's event at my church on Wednesday, the woman who spoke, Amanda, she was talking about the difference between a Target dinner plate, like those pastel ones that are on the end cap for, I think they're like a dollar and they kind of all stack really nicely and they're like light pink and light blue and all these ones. And then there's the fine China plates that you maybe got at your wedding or they just mean a lot to you, they're crystals. You put that in a china cabinet, you keep it away from everything else. You also like hand wash them and hand dry them and put them back. You're not just like loading them up in the dishwasher and just throwing them in the cabinet. They're set apart, they're special, they're made by hand, they're taken extra care of. This is how we are. So if God of the universe created us to be so special and so amazing, don't you think that he kind of works out the emotions and everything that are in us too? But the world tells us that don't act like that. Don't do that. Or the world has bruised us and abused us. And now our perspective has shifted because of an experience that happened to us. Now we don't see things through the right lens because we see things through a broken lens or a diseased lens. It's just like seeing things in the light in the dark. If it's light out, you can navigate pretty easy. You don't stumble, you don't fall, you don't run into things. If you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, you're and the lights are off, you could be in a new place, not your own house. Obviously, you can probably do that. But have you ever like woken up in a hotel room and you're like, oh my gosh, like where am I? And you're trying to navigate or you like run into the bed because it's dark. When things are light, you can see. And so I knew the vibration thing. I started learning that like you vibrate, you have to feel your energy. Your energy was the first thing. The second thing that I had to learn was that was affecting my energy was being proactive in my life instead of being reactive in my life because I couldn't get my energy under control until I was doing the things that I needed to, to avoid that. So for instance, my road rage was caused by being late. I was late because I was a poor planner. I was a poor planner because nobody ever taught me how to plan. My mom always just flew by the seat of her pants and did whatever she wanted. That's just what I wanted to do. Now it's not always our parents' fault, but I didn't really know how to plan. And I didn't even realize I wasn't doing that until April, who was given to me by God. (laughs) She, I pray all the time. And if you've taken my find your purpose course, you now have the printout of my prayers. And one of the prayers on there is I pray for the perfect people to be drawn to me, magnetize my people, my perfect people. They're not perfect people. Nobody's perfect, but I'm God knows what I mean. The perfect people for me, people who I need, people who need me, people who need him, like form the perfect relationships, bring me my people 
And he not only started bringing them to me, but I knew the second that I had an interaction with them, that they were my people. Like instantly, I'm like, yep, they're my people. Like I either met you at a place or we talked online or even just some of us where we're newly connected. And you probably feel like this because you're here because you're on live or if you're listening to the recording, even you don't listen to me if you don't feel connected to me. I, nobody does. So I know you guys are my people or else you wouldn't be here. <laughs> the people who aren't my people aren't listening. But I knew that April was brought into my life and I, she was brought into my life the exact month after she came into my life. The one month later is when I had my mental breakdown of, I cannot just, I cannot do this anymore. And I was deceived, like I said, but I'm going to read a scripture in a minute about it about being deceived and what Satan's biggest, um, his biggest trick in the book is. And I never knew what it was. I always just kind of said like, oh, I bet, I bet Satan's biggest trick is distraction. Like he distracts us. He doesn't need to kill us. He doesn't need to wound us. He just needs to distract us. Kind of just like get in our heads a little bit, get us like not thinking straight and then just distract us. And so you have to be proactive because my road rage comes from running late. I met April. April, April is always early. She's 15 minutes early to everything. And I was 10 minutes late to everything. So she'd be 15 minutes early. I'd be like, Hey, um, we live in the same town. So I'd be like, Hey, I'll be there in like 10 minutes. Sorry. Things were crazy. You know, I had an excuse things really were crazy. Like things were happening. Like my daughter had a meltdown or the dog threw up in the house or I couldn't, I, you know, just anything. I, I really believed that. Like I cannot be on time. I have four kids. I just can't be on time. You don't know. It's hard. April was, I thought that she was one of those people that were born just early. Like, like that's just who you are. Like you're just on time. You're early. That's who my daughter is. She gets that from my sister-in-law who is like by the book, absolutely will not. We were so thirsty at, we have a membership to BJ's, which is kind of like a Costco. I don't know if they're everywhere, but we just got one for Christmas. And we were so, me and Skylar were so thirsty. And I went down the, the drink aisle and I grabbed a thing of juice boxes and I opened two of them. And Skylar and I were drinking the juice boxes in the store. And Sophia's like, you're not allowed to do that. I was like, babe, it's fine. We're going to pay for them at the front. It's okay. She's like, no, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that, mom. <laughs> Sophia, it's fine. Just stop. And she literally was also thirsty and would not have a juice box or even have a drink. She's like, nope, I will wait until we buy them. She is so by the book. And I thought that that's how April was. But April told me that she actually never used to be on time. And she learned how to be on time. And I was like, you can learn how to be on time. Like, this is a thing that you can change and you can just be someone who's on time. Um, April said that the trick was, what is it, April, that you, you um, plan 10 minutes ahead? That's like the first thing, or you, you like change the clocks <laughs> or you change your mind. What is it? For me, I change, I get ready in my bathroom. So I have that bathroom clock, like, I think it's like five minutes fast. And then um, 
just being prepared in general. So if I know I have to do something with the kids tomorrow, like no matter how tired I am, like I want to make sure like I have their bags and stuff ready. So being prepared and then just having the clock be ahead of time. Cause then by the, like I'm rushing around freaking out and then I get into the car and I'm like, you know, I gave myself that cushion. So. Right. I realized that if my day was not pre-planned and I'm not, listen, I don't do this every day. I do not. And there's still times where I'm like, oh shoot, I totally forgot. But the goal isn't to do this perfect. Remember, write it down. Done beats perfect. (laughs) Jeanette, maybe you can rewrite yours. (laughs) She like sent me a message, a picture of it. And she's like, I literally wanted to rewrite this because I didn't like how it looked. And then I realized that's perfectionism and I need to not rewrite it. I'm like, that's totally how it goes, but you don't need to do it perfect. Okay. You just need to be aware and you need to start trying to focus on this. Oh, April said she also put appointments in her calendar 15 to 30 minutes early. So she would be early for those too. That's a really good tip, but you have to just start trying to plan a little bit ahead. Like just start by planning, waking up in the waking up in the morning and looking at your day the next day or looking at your day today. But I realized that 100% of the time that I would snap on my kids and on my husband, it was because my energy was off and it was because I was the cause of it. So I would be yelling at my daughter to get on her shoes and she doesn't know where they are. And then I'm like, How do you not know where your shoes are? If you would just put your shoes where they belong, you wouldn't have to worry about this. Get yourself, where's your backpack? And I would just like go crazy. And then it was just, I was yelling about everything. Then we get in the car and then we're running late. So then I'm irritated at the slow farmer who gets out in front of us. I'm like, the farmer's here again. Like I have to go around him. And then it literally just sets up not only my day, but her day as well. And my other daughter's day. And then I hear So now that I'm aware of this, I see other parents doing this. And then I see them complaining about the kid as if it's the kid's problem. Um, This happened at gymnastics yesterday. The one mom was like, this kid, I swear, he's so bad. I can't even believe he's like this. And he was like running around and like being hyper and like doing stuff. And she was just like, oh my gosh, this must be a boy thing. Like this is, this is ridiculous. And I was thinking it has nothing to do with him. I could just see her energy. I could see, I could just, I could see her energy. You know, when some people are just glowing, like they just have this, like, I call it like the grandma glow, like, you know, like a cute grandma. I love, love, love old people, love them so much. And like the cute old people that are just like, so loving and motherly and gentle and kind, like this just beautiful soul. Or now I've been meeting a lot of other women that have this glow and this soul. And it's like, you literally can feel it. If someone comes in in a bad mood, you can feel it. You know, they're in a bad mood. If someone walks in a store and they're angry or you're like, okay, hold on. Like the energy just changed. You can feel it. And if you're distracted and you're stressed out and you're always thinking of the negative and you're always just, you know, go, 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 go. And your energy is off. You probably won't realize this and and sense it, but the more you do it, the more sensitive you get to it. 
but not only was I lashing out at my kids, I also was really struggling with a lot of my own mindset because of my stress and because of running late, it would kind of like, so running late or just avoiding certain tasks, not doing my to-do list. Like for instance, by the first of every month, we need to have our budget done because all of our bills like auto pay for the month. And so we need to just make sure like the money is over in this account. Everything is good to go. We have like anything added in. If that's not done by the first, well, then there's, there's bills that start coming out and the money's not there. And then it's like, hold on. And it gets confusing, but I would just avoid this for whatever reason. I just avoided it and I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Well, I realized that the reason why I always procrastinated anything to do with money and um, really just to do with money, like earning money, spending money. Um, the reason why is because I had a lot of limiting beliefs about money and I was working so hard plotting, planning and scheming for money. And I was just so stressed out all the time that money didn't want to stay around me and be around me. I didn't respect it. I was just always so stressed and focused on my lack and my limitations and what I don't have that I didn't even want to look at money or even think about it because I just, I hated it. There was never enough and money was my key to happiness, but because the money wasn't there, I was unhappy and I was irritated and I was annoyed and I was frustrated. And I had all these emotions. And so when I read Catherine Zinkina's book, uh, how to manifest a thousand dollars in 21 days, I'm not saying I agree with all of her teachings. She doesn't really give credit to Jesus. She gives credit to God, but they're not the same thing. And so, although there are a lot of things that I think like, mm, she should have said Jesus, she should have said that we get that because of him. But so don't message me and tell me you're offended because I recommend it. <laughs> I've been encountering, encountering a lot of offended people lately. And I'm like, okay, guys, like, let's just, let's just like let down the offense and, and not go there. But her book really helped me to see my limiting beliefs around money, what I thought money was. And it really helped me to see. So being proactive was imp so important. I had to do it. I had to have my whole day planned for the next day before the day happened, what I was doing, where I was going, the important things on my list. I wrote, and now this is not also like, cause I'm an overachiever and I'm a perfectionist. So I would sit down and make a whole list of 30 things that have been on my to-do list. Like I would just purge everything from my brain, anything I could possibly think of that I need to do, I would write down. And then I felt like I had to do it that day in order to have a successful day. And when I didn't do it, I beat myself up that I'm so lazy and I just can't believe I didn't do that. I'm so irresponsible. And there I go again, procrastinating. And I would just start like labeling myself and talking crap to myself in my head. So I realized that the third thing that you need to do, so energy leaks was one, proactive instead of reactive was two. Number three was mindset. Because I'm like, if my mind isn't in the right place and I'm not forcing it to be in the right place, then... I'm, I'm not doing great being proactive and I have a bunch of energy leaks and they all went hand in hand. And these are the three things that I did to make myself feel better. I would literally be calling my mom, just crying and just like, 
venting about everything. Like every single thing in my life was, was failing. The little things would set me off. I would be crying. I would just be stressed out. And I was drinking more than I should. I was smoking more than I should. I was, I was just miserable. I was depressed, mental health. And, and I see people like this all the time that are walking around living in this life. You are literally choosing to live in that life. And you don't even realize that it's a choice that you're making every day. But when I was in Tennessee, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a study and it was all about your vision and your sight. And I kind of had this, this moment of like a bunch of questions, um, like where everything just kind of like came together. I think of my brain and I've shared this before of like, every time I learn something, it's like a little gear and they're just kind of all like randomly placed in my brain. And then sometimes something happens that like connects two gears together and they start like moving the same where I'm like, oh yeah, that's what that means. Okay. This, yes, this is what they mean by that. Like I I've known that piece of information for a while, but because I either didn't have the experience or it wasn't the right timing, like maybe you learned all about writing a blog. You even started writing a blog at one point, but then you stopped. And then now you're to a point where you're like, oh, thank God I did that blog all those years ago, because now I, I, now I get it. Now I'm glad I have that. Um, like I found my first ever blog that I created in 2005 called a live journal. And I haven't read through all of them yet. I read through a couple of them, but I was just thinking how crazy was it that I wanted to write and I wanted to show up online since 2005. I was in 10th grade. No, I was in 11th grade and we didn't, we, we had computers in our houses back then you know, they were in like a designated room. You had to dial up the internet. So you couldn't be on the phone with the computer at the same time. And so my entries were like, my mom, let me be online for two hours today. This was the greatest day of my life. I'm like going to go for now. Uh, like just so funny. And I'm like, this is hilarious that I like God, like put this creativity in me and this like wanting to pour into people, wanting to share my story, wanting to talk and relate and like all back since then, since back then. Okay. So, um, I was in this, I was doing this study on sight and vision and I had this gear moment where I was sitting there by myself and I just started Googling. And when I say Googling, I wasn't really Googling. I go to this website called, called gotquestions.org. Like sometimes you can Google, but sometimes you shouldn't. And when you're Googling about something, you really want to know the facts about like if you're researching vaccines or you're researching um, the C word or you're researching anything that's like about Jesus, religion, like you want to make sure that you're going with a source that you want, uh, researching health supplements, you can't just Google, right? That's scary. That's a scary place to go. But I go to gotquestions.org and you can type in any question you have in there. And so while I'm reading a study or I'm reading the Bible, I am in my head thinking, what questions do I have about this? Like, who wrote this? When did they write it? Who was saying it? Who did they say it to? Why would they say that? Like, what does this word mean? A lot of the times, I'm like, I've been reading through my chronological Bible, and so I'm in the Old Testament, and every time that people are upset, they tear their clothes. 
It's like, then he tore his clothes and wept. They tore their coat, their clothes in grief. They, this is like the, I just got to Job and there's been like 10 people that have torn their robes and wept. And I'm just thinking like, does this mean they actually tore their clothes? Like just ripped their shirts. And why did they tear their clothing? Why was that a thing? And so then when you go and you look like, okay, what did this mean? Like, oh, in Jewish tradition, people tore their clothes and were naked to show a sign of vulnerability. And I have nothing and Lord, I'm surrendered. Like, it's so cool to see how that goes together. Or like I'm learning right now with Job, he was, uh, Satan was like, oh, Job only follows you because you've given him everything he's ever wanted. I bet if you take his stuff away, he will rebuke you. And he's like, go ahead. You can do anything you want. Just don't, just don't kill him. And he won't turn away from me. And so we kept throwing a trial and throwing a trial and had all of his land burned and all of his cattle burned and all of his livestock burned and all, all of this of it, all of his servants were killed and everyone. And then he got diseases and boils and had all these things and was literally stripped away from nothing and when his people came to go and spend time with him, they sat there in silence for seven days. And I'm like, why did they? Okay. If like my friend's having a hard day and I go over there, like I'm not going to sit in silence for seven days. Like you need to know the truth. Like, come on, like, I'll help you. I'll be there. But in Jewish culture back then, when someone was grieving, you went and you didn't say a word until the person who was grieving spoke. Because sometimes the best thing you can do is just be there in silence and their grief is so deep that words cannot do anything. And you are not always meant to have the perfect words. Sometimes your presence is just needed. So whoever feels like they're, they don't want to go to a funeral or they don't want to go to visit someone when they have a disease or a sickness, or you just feel awkward, just remember you, your presence there is enough. You don't have to say anything. That is enough. But so I Google these things or I search these things because it helps me to understand more of why it's saying these things. And I realize that if you ask questions while you're reading things, it really helps your mind to stay focused. And like, I think we're all just a natural skeptic. So I think it's, it's good. I try to like, not like catch the Bible in a lie. Cause I know it's not, but I try to have that kind of like skeptical mind a little bit. So I can pull out and learn for myself because if I learn myself and I experience it, then I truly believe. And I truly am like, no, I've experienced this. I understand this. Like, yes, this makes sense. So I started searching, what is the, what does the Bible say about eyesight? And I started reading scriptures and, um, this scripture was in Matthew chapter six, verse 22. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And I started doing some other searching, like who said it, who is he saying it to? Um, and just wanted to know like what other people in the Bible have seen things. And I tried to apply it to my own life of where I've been seeing things and what I've been doing. And it says, it says in the Bible that your eyes are your entrance to your heart and mind. And that eyesight in the Bible isn't just physical eyesight of what you're seeing, what you see. Like right now I'm looking out my window and I see a, palm, a pine tree, a palm tree. Oh, I wish. No, I see a pine tree. It's half dead. 
Um, I also see brown grass because our grass isn't even coming back to life yet. Um, no, I see, you know, I see things in front of me, but my perspective is also part of my sight because I can see brown grass right now and I can see this half dead pine tree and my light bulb that's out on my front porch and the, this dead bush in front of our house. Or I can look out, the, out of the window and I can see all of the birds flying around, the trees that are starting to bud, the sun that is out, my beautiful front porch that my husband made for me. I, I can see good things or I can see bad things. We all can. And so the reason why it says the eye is the lamp of the body, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. He's not just saying what you see in front of you. He's also saying your perspective. Your perspective is what you also perceive. What you perceive is huge. Good eyes, if they're good eyes, they see and perceive well. If they're bad eyes, they don't. And I even wrote down, um, not only like keeping the bad things away from us, but also adding in extra good things. So let's talk about like, okay, <clears throat> let's talk first about what you perceive. So I want you guys to comment in the chat. And I want you to answer this question. You can just keep throwing things out there and I'll read them of things. What are things that you, in your own personal life that you perceive to be different sometimes other than others? So I'll give you an example so that it makes sense. So sometimes I adore my husband and I am all over him and I can't get enough of him and I'm obsessed with him. Other times, I think he is the most irritating, annoying person and everything he does gets under my skin. Like, why do you have to put your shoes on like that? Why are you, why are you eating popcorn like that? Why are you, why do you say that word? Why do you say right on all the time? Like you just started saying that. Why do you say that? Like, you know, you can just like rip them apart and one minute I love him. And you know, it's our, my heart's exploding because I'm just so obsessed with him. And the next minute I'm like, dude, I literally get divorced. Like you could leave and I would be happy. Like, please go. Like, I want nothing to do with you. So what are some other things that you feel like one day you can, you can be all about and the next day you're not? Put them in the comments, the things that you think of. Um, sometimes you're irritated with them. Sometimes you love them. You can also unmute if you want to, and you can say something. April says kids. Great example. Kids for sure. Like you're just look at them and you think, wow, I'm so grateful. I'm a mom. This is amazing. I love being a mom. And this is just so easy. And I'm just so happy. And then other times you're freaking out, just putting them in front of an iPad, telling them to leave you alone, going and locking yourself in the bedroom, telling them not to talk to you. Business. Yeah. April and Terry both said building my business. Right. One day you're like, this is great. This is so much fun. I love this. I feel so good at this. And literally the next day you're like, can I do this? Is this even going to work? Am I, am I really like, 
Kamet, do I really think that I'm going to be able to do this? Like, I'm one of those people, like, this is actually going to work. Am I crazy for thinking that this is going to work? You know, your belief in yourself being a stay-at-home mom, for sure. Um, right. You're like, I love staying home with my kids. This is amazing. I get to raise them. I get to be here. And you're like, oh, I just really wish I had my own thing. I really wish I could leave every day. I really wish I could you know, go away and come back. We have tons of things that we, that we shift our perspective on, on a day-to-day basis. And so you can't trust your emotions. You cannot trust your emotions because they're going to shift. You cannot base things on emotions. And I always, I always, if I'm trying to make a big decision, I always give it a 48 hour rule. Like I cannot do that for 48 hours. I need to wait. And sometimes if I'm not in a different emotional state, I need to wait a little bit longer. Or now sometimes I decide that I'm not having that conversation right now because I know that I'm not in the right place to have it. So when my son got suspended from school the other day, I, I didn't do the perfect job like I wanted to, you know, we want to do it perfectly, but I did a lot better than I have. And usually he would come home and I had already talked to the principal and I would just freak out and I would be so mad at him and just say all kinds of stuff. But this time I was like, I do not want to talk to you and you don't want to talk to me right now either. So we should just go separate ways because I need to cool down. And then he kept talking. And then I said a couple of things. And then I was like, nope. Okay. Nope. Get away from me. Like you're nope, (laughs) not today. Like that real, it's like, pick somebody else, pick somebody else. Not today. Get away from me, child. Like you do not want to be around me. So you can learn to, to separate these things, but okay. So there's things that you're, that you're physically going to perceive and there's things that you're mentally going to perceive. And so not only eliminating things that we see. So if you're watching pornography, that's what you're seeing. If you're at a strip club, that's what you're seeing. If you're at a convention where everyone is throwing around money and Rolls Royces and $100,000 rings and million dollar paychecks, that's what you're going to see. If you're watching violence and you're watching trash TV, that's what you're going to see. And I'm not on here to cast judgment or to shame you or to make you feel bad because that's not my job at all. And I am not perfect. And I do not put my eyes and set my eyes on things above, not on worldly things all the time. And we're all growing at this. But it's not just let's eliminate those things. Let's switch what we watch. Let's not go to those places anymore. Let's not turn that on anymore. It's not enough to just not do the things. You have to replace them with good things. So people are all the time searching for fulfillment and happiness. How do I become fulfilled and happy? That is the number one thing that people want to know. And the number one thing that they want to feel incomplete. They want to be happy and fulfilled, which means they're successful and they're all these things. But what I found out is what Satan's greatest deception was to make people think that they found the light when in fact it's the darkness of false light. And he talks about that in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. His biggest thing that he wants to do is blind us and corrupt us. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to think that that life is 
all about these things and this stuff. And you got to have more and you got to do more and you got to achieve more. And you have to be this type of person and appease all these people. And he, he is falsely telling you that this is the light. Like, this is what you want. This is the life. Like, let's live this life that the world lives. Let's go live this. And it's totally a lie. It's not true. And when you have followed that and you realize that at the end of it, it was true. Like for me, at the end of the road, when I thought that the money and the world, like, I guess Satan underestimated me. He didn't realize I would get to the end of the road and realize he's a liar. He was probably like, oh, she'll be fine. Like, you know, most people quit halfway through. Like she won't even make it to the end to realize it was a lie. And when I made it, I'm like, this isn't what you said. This isn't what it is. And the scripture says, this isn't what it is. So you're right. You won't find freedom. You won't find purpose unless, unless you link with God to do it. And so, um, what ends up happening is this whole race is just robbing you of the joy that you actually have wanted the whole entire time. And you have to replace what you're doing in order to have a fulfilled, joyful life. So putting new things in front of you is a great way to change your pattern of what you've been doing. If what you see is affecting your heart and your belief and everything from this point on, you should try to replace things in your path, your physical sight with goodness. So adding things in like going to church, going to church, you're seeing, you're seeing godly things. You're seeing, you're in a church, you're with his congregation. You're, you're hearing the words, you're seeing the words, you're, you're experiencing it. You're at a church, go to a small group, do a Bible study, get together with a group of women where you can talk about this, like this, like this being on here, we're seeing each other, we're, we're giving light, we're showing up, being outside being in nature, what, what God created and paying attention to it and seeing it, seeing the trees and being thankful and grateful with Thanksgiving and walking and experiencing what being, you know, seeing your house and turning it into gratitude like this. I'm so grateful. I have this home. It might not be your dream home. You might be renting. You might be living with your parents. Who cares? Look at where you are. Like God is providing for you. And looking around and you're adding additional things. So start reading your Bible, seeing that your eyes are the lamp to your soul, reading scripture on a page. You might not be understanding it like you think you should. You might be like, I've never read this. This doesn't make any sense. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I promise you it's going to start affecting your soul. It really will. Seeing the words chosen and anointed on a shirt will make you say, okay, I'm chosen and I'm anointed. Seeing affirmations written on your, on your TV, on your mirror, on your windows will make you see that. That's why affirmations are so important to just have up. You might not even be intentionally looking at them and reading them, but your subconscious is reading them as you're walking through your house and going around. Don't have trash up. Don't have things that you would want someone to recite. Like my nanny's friend came over and has a sticker on the back of her car that says like the devil's child or something. And I was like, why you should take that sticker off your car. That's what you want on your car. She's like, Oh, my dad gave me this car and the sticker was already there. 
said, well, you better scratch it off. I wouldn't be driving around with a sticker like that. Like, you don't want that on you. You don't want to say that. You don't want to see this picture of this devil every single time you walk around the back of your car or walk to your car. Like, oh, there's my car. The one with the devil on it. Like that's subconscious in your mind. Like that's just letting things in. My mom used to say that to me when I was in high school and I felt like she was so crazy and all she wanted to do is rob me of good music. But she's like this junk that you're listening to. Like it's programming you. Like, why are you listening to that garbage? And it truly is. If you turn on Christian music and I'm not saying gospel, holy music, like there is good rap Christian music out there that I love and listen to. Like if you're putting that in your head and those are the words that you're hearing in lyrics about God and about life, like it just changes you. And that's why I said the other day on the call that it's an experience. It's a lifestyle. It's not like, okay, give me a to-do list of the three things that I need to do. It's God is in the middle and everything points to him. It's not like prioritizing and saying, okay, God first, then my family, then my career. No, it's God is in the middle. And so when you spend time with your family, God is in the middle. When you spend time in your business, God is in the middle. They're together. When you're in your business, you're also spending time with God. And when you do that, you're spending more time being aware of how you were created and what you were supposed to do. So you get more ideas. So you experience more abundance. So more people are magnetized to you. So you get more customers and you don't even feel like you're really doing the work for it. That's how like manifestation really works is when you're standing there and you're open to it. If you have, if you're new to all of this, like you're like, this sounds good, but I'm not really like, I don't really know a whole lot about this. Start with listening to Florence Scoville Shins book called the game of life and how to play it. I listened to it on audible. I like the audio version of books, but you can get the free PDF just by Googling it and you can read it on there. The PDF is good because you probably want to highlight some of the scriptures and she gives you a ton of statements to say to overcome fear. It is literally, I would say if I had to pick one thing outside of the Bible, that has changed me. It's her series of books. And she has four books out there. And I just listen to them on repeat. They're amazing. Florence Scoville Shin. Scoville is S-C-O-V-E-L. And then S-H-I-N-N. So, so good. And April told me about, about her books. And they're just phenomenal. It really will help you to see that we try way too hard. We self-sabotage. Like you're looking at all kinds of trash. You're influenced by all kinds of stuff. You have wounds that you won't heal because you have too much pride and you're worried about what people are going to think. And so you're just walking around this earth like a zombie doing all of the things that God says, if you do this, you will experience this. And if you do this, you'll experience this. If you change what you're seeing physically and through your perspective lens, everything will start to shift. It's proven. It will. This isn't like a, maybe you'll start to feel better. This is like proof. Like this is it. And if you try to do this and you're like, it still doesn't work. Well, then we need to have a talk and you need to DM me and we can talk a little bit because there's something that you're still blocking a limiting belief or something that you're not doing. We tend to just say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You do know. 
there's something that you know you need to do that you're not doing. Like for me, I knew I needed to go to therapy. I couldn't get my perspective right because my experience was off and I had so much inner anger and abandonment and resentment and bitterness and betrayal and hurt deep down that it was affecting everything that I saw. So although my surroundings were beautiful, my perspective was not. And then focus on being aware of that energy today of what is happening that's triggering you. And there's a book called Triggers that you could read too. If you feel like that would be something that would really help you. It's once you feel like, okay, all of a sudden my energy shifted. Like, I just want you to pay attention to the shift. Like at the, if you're like, okay, I ended up having a bad day today. Like at what point did it get bad? Did you wake up and it was bad? Was it after a conversation with someone? Did something happen? You'll be able to look back and think of a specific time that your day shifted. And then what was happening and how can you change it? For me, it was also every single time my boys got home from school, I shifted. Like I'd be in a great mood. Their bus would pull up. I would still be in a good mood. They would walk in and I would have a bad, I would be in a bad mood. I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't want to be in a bad mood around my kids. Like, why does this keep happening to me? And what was happening is that I'm someone who needs to have like a 15 minute transition period before something new happens to like switch my brain. So I was sitting in here and I was working and I was focused 100% on work. And all of a sudden it's like, no more work. Now you're a mom. And it was hard for me to like, oh, okay. Like I need to, I need to stop thinking about what I was doing. I need to slow, like I gained so much momentum on the train today with my business and now it's still going, but I need to like shift and go over here. So I learned that was triggering me. What I needed to do was I needed to do like a a neutralizer for 15 minutes, do something else. So if their bus came home at 3.30, at 3.15, I would stop working and I would go do something that would neutral out my energy, like cook something, take a shower, um, do yoga, move my body, pray, meditate, read something, take a bath, um, go outside, just sit and meditate. I had to do something for like that transition period. And then it was easy for me. Now my whole family knows I need a transition period. So everyone kind of respects that. If I'm on vacation and I come home, I need a transition period. I get home and I tend to like be in a mood I don't want to be in and feel a way I don't want to feel. It's because I need a transition period. I need to like decompress and get my energy right. And then I can go on and I can be happier. But I literally realized that through this, I have, I used to be an angry mom. I would classify myself as an angry mom all day. And since figuring this out, I have no anger in my body at all. Like I literally just do not, I don't, I don't get angry. Do I get upset? And do I get irritated at my kids? Of course, but it's not that like anger where I'm yelling uncontrollable and I'm just out of control and I'm just angry. You can change that. That is, that is from being triggered. That is from having open wounds. And that is from having poor boundaries and not being proactive. So if your energy is off, everything is going to be off. And your eyes are so important to what you're doing. So remember that next time that you're doing or spending time or looking at something, like, is this really what I want my soul to see? And then realize your influence over your house. Whatever you put up on the walls, your family is going to see. 
So pictures, quotes, affirmations, scriptures on your refrigerator. Like what scriptures do you want your kids to see every single time they open their refrigerator? What scriptures do you want to see every time you open their refrigerator? Are you having a problem with patience right now? Are you having a problem with being kind to people in your house? Are you having a problem with laziness or not believing in yourself or feeling defeated? Put in the gotquestions.org scriptures about laziness, scriptures about joy, scriptures about kindness, and the ones that hit your soul, write them down and put them on your fridge. Right? What are the best scriptures for kids to read? Write them down and put them in their bathroom. Like you can start programming their minds and showing what they're reading. If you leave the Bible out on the counter, your kids are going to walk past it and see it. They don't have to read it. People will see it. That's what they say. The Bible is the living word. Like leave it open and leave it out on your counter. Don't leave it closed up in a bookshelf that you're never even going to realize. Even if you're not reading your Bible, leave it out, open it to a random page and leave it on your counter and leave it there. And you'll be surprised at how quickly that this stuff starts to really change your mind, change your energy, change the way that your life is. You're going to start to live a, an abundant, blessed, happy, joyful life, regardless of your circumstances. It doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're going to live like this because it's not a feeling that's because of money. It's a feeling because of God. And God doesn't care how rich you are or how broke you are or how hurt you are or how abused you were. He loves us all the exact same. Whether you're spending time with him or not, he loves you just as much. So nothing you do will change that. And I think that that's the beauty of it is that God is the same all the time. We can't rely on anyone else that we know. People always let us down. People always change because we have emotions because we're humans, but God doesn't have those emotions that control him. So his perspective and how he perceives us is always the same. And he wrote it down to tell us over and over and over and over and over again when we change that. So heal, slow down this weekend. If you're listening to this recording before the weekend, like slow down this weekend if you can, or plan a couple of days next week where you can kind of slow down and do less. Go outside if you can, spend time in nature, spend time seeing goodness. And you'll see this huge creativity flow, this huge like aha moment of this is what it is, or this is my idea or have a download and it will happen. And when it does, let me know, because I want to know about it because I love hearing how God works in people's lives, but you're chosen and anointed. Oh yeah. For those of you who missed it, who weren't on, we got our new shirts. Alicia made them cute. I said, I wanted it to be my favorite shirt. Like before I sold them, I wanted to make sure that it was actually like my favorite shirt, like super comfy. Like, I don't want to just sell a t-shirt. I want to sell a t-shirt that you don't ever want to take off. And I said, I think that I found the right one because it's been three days now and I'm still wearing it. <laughs> John's like, are you going to change your shirt? He's like, I don't know. Probably not. I'll probably just wear it till Monday. <laughs> uh, I love it. That's like that. That's like that um I don't know I think, think it's a TikTok or something where they're like are you gonna put your hair back up in that messy bun again <laughs> yes I am I am actually <laughs> going to um but I love it I feel so chosen and anointed wearing it I've been it in a bad mood really good. 
Thank you. I've been in a bad mood the last like week and then just finally getting it and seeing it. I'm like, I couldn't wait to put it on. Like, okay, devil, <laughs> look at me. I'm chosen anointed back off. Do you know who I am? Like my label is right here. Read it. It's just, you just have this like sense of uniqueness and being special. I don't know. It's like, it's cool. It's cool to feel it because to me, it's, this is more than just sell selling t-shirts. It's just something more, but Okay. Anyway, shout out to Alicia for doing a great job. Uh, I love you guys so much. Thank you for being on. I appreciate your presence on here this morning and I hope that you have a great day. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own we know we cannot do this on our own although we try please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us we love you so much in jesus's holy name amen have a blessed day thanks for being here Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley, and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.